0: Hey guys, in this two-part episode, I am sitting down with my good friend, Brandon Gray, an OG raver who has been involved in several aspects of the rave scene since the early 90s. In part one of this episode, we discuss how to balance your professional life and raving as you get older, the misconceptions that come along with this hobby, and how raving changes when you have kids and your friends start to move on. In part two, we chat about how Brandon got involved with the Lunchbox team, Our thoughts on music festivals reopening and how idolizing DJs can negatively impact this community. I know the stories in these two parts are going to be incredibly valuable, and I hope that a lot of you listening can relate to what we talk about. So, with that being said, let's get into it. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to Rave Culture Cast, your weekly guide to the EDM community, music festivals and more. I am your host, Emma Capotis. What is up, fam? How are we all doing? Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than anything I've ever done on the podcast before because I am splitting it into two parts. So I just pulled you guys on Facebook and our Facebook group community um, and on Instagram at rave culture cast and I mentioned that today's episode in particular was almost 2 hours long but I promise you you guys it is jam packed full of just incredible stories and valuable information and honestly like I'm so, so, so excited about the topics that Brandon and I get into today, but I think it does make the most sense to split this into two parts. So that's what I'm doing. So part one today is going to be about an hour, and then part two is about probably like 50 minutes around there. So you guys can, you know, listen at your leisure whenever you want, pause the episode, come back to it. But I just think that made the most sense. So I hope you guys are super excited about what we are going to be diving into today. Um, I want to do a quick little introduction into the topics we're talking about, and then I will jump into our affirmation of the week, and then we're going to get started because we're in here for the long haul. All right, guys, buckle up, grab a snack. (laughs) Okay, so I have heard your requests. I get a lot asking me, hey, Emma, can you have a raver on who's not in their 20s? Can you have a raver on who's been, you know, OG, like somebody that's been doing this since the 90s? And I hear you loud and clear, and I want to make sure that I have all different types of you know, people with different personalities and backgrounds and all that stuff. I've said that before. So my good friend, Brandon Gray, is my guest today, you guys. He and I connected actually through the Lunchbox team. So some of you might know I work with Lunchbox Hydration Pack. Love the team over there. And that's how Brandon and I met. Um, He's been involved with them pretty early on in the company, actually. So, yeah, we connected. We met only once in person, I'm pretty sure, at EDC Orlando 2019. And he's amazing. I consider him a good friend, a mentor and somebody I can go to for advice and I was like Brandon can we talk about it can we just talk about how raving changes that you as you get older can we talk about what it's like once you add kids into the situation and how you balance you know attending festivals and things like that because him and his wife attend festivals together and then you know just to be transparent with you guys like this is something that's on my mind a lot like I just turned 30 which is crazy but I think about that all the time, you know, I have had friends who have lost interest and moved on and like they're not really raving or going to music festivals anymore and then I still have friends who are interested and then I have some friends who I've met, you know, through the community who are younger and now they're part of my rave fam as well. But um, it's something I think about because I do think they're, not that I give a flying fuck (laughs) and that's what we're going to talk about today, but I think there are people out there who are like, aren't you growing out of it, like how long are you going to do this, like You know, isn't that something like college kids do? Like, you're really still doing that? And I could not think that that's further from the truth. But um, it's definitely something that I think about, especially when I want to have kids. Like, I'm sure I'm going to have to take a break at some point and life will feel different and priorities will feel different. And I hope that people listening today, if you're in a similar situation, you can relate to this because this episode is for you guys. So we're going to talk about all that stuff. Um, And then, like I mentioned in the beginning in the part two we kind of switch it up we talk a lot more about like how the experience also changes when you get older like you're more going to these events just for the experience you're not like rushing from stage to stage trying to catch every mainstream act it's just like it's a different experience um and then we also just talk a lot about you know covid and how we think that's going to affect music festivals reopening um brandon his wife is in the medical field and then he just got his second vaccine um but he has underlying health issues that we talk about and so we're going to chat about how it feels you know for somebody like him and you know how we think shows will come back and when we think it's going to be safe and then lastly we talk a little bit about DJ culture and kind of about like idolizing DJs and how that can sometimes not be a good thing for the community like it's better to just kind of humanize everyone so Wow, this was a very long intro, but like I said, we covered so, so, so much. So I hope you guys stick around for both episodes. If you are enjoying the content, you guys, you already know the drill. I would love it if you could rate, review, subscribe over on our YouTube channel. And like I mentioned, if you guys want, you know, to get in on the inside action, if you want to participate in different polls and questionnaires and, you know, have your opinion heard, definitely join our Facebook group community We are going to be doing a Zoom call, I think, on Monday, March 1st. There's a poll in the Facebook group, but I'm pretty sure it was Monday, March 1st. So if you guys want to be part of our next family Zoom call, join the Facebook group. That's how you will get um, access to the Zoom link. And I can't wait to see you guys and chat with you. I love doing these. So anyway, with all that being said, the affirmation of the week that I thought would be very fitting for this episode because I really wanted to pick something about kind of being like confident in your skin, and accepting yourself and not really like worrying about what other people have to think about you or your decisions. So, the affirmation for this episode is I release all doubts and insecurities about myself. I release all doubts and insecurities about myself. Say it out loud, write it down, whatever feels good for you. But I can't stress that enough again you should just feel comfortable in your skin and you should do what makes you happy and it doesn't matter how old you are or if you have kids or whatnot, you know, don't worry about that. Release all the doubts and insecurities and just do what feels good to you. So with all of that being said, I'm going to roll right into the part one of the interview with Brandon here. I really hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, So please join me in welcoming Brandon Gray to the podcast. I just have to say, you know, first off, Brandon and I obviously know each other. We have a relationship. He's not only a friend, but a mentor and somebody that I go to for advice and support. And I very much appreciate, you know, how we were connected in our relationship now. So, you know, I know some things, but I don't know all things. So I'm selfishly having you on here so that I can learn your whole history with raving. (laughs) But um, I know you have a lot of stories to tell. I know you have a lot of interesting perspectives on things, so I think people will get a lot out of this episode. So with that being said, welcome to the podcast, Brandon.
1: Thank you, Emma. I have been a fan longer than you know. Even before <laughs> we worked together or, or knew each other, I, I was a fan of, of your videos and everything that you've done and, and somebody that uh, I admire in the scene who's doing things right. So thank you. I appreciate
0: that. And I love the shirt, by the way, (laughs) for anybody watching on YouTube. (laughs) Very, very fitting. Um, okay. So I, let's just start from the beginning. So obviously let's do a quick little introduction. Can you tell the audience who you are, where you're from, what you do currently?
1: uh i am brandon gray i uh what do i do um (laughs) jack of all trade master of nuns um i i work as as partially as the director of operations for lunchbox hydration packs um i also run my own firm in the professional world, doing my main day job. Um, and I have several side projects within the EDM community, either in the realms of like harm reduction for drugs and, and um, medical issues within the EDM community, um, all the way to paramedic response type stuff and, mm-hmm. and some of the health and safety stuff that we've done with Lunchbox. So yep, um, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, now, um, I'm originally from Denver and then all over I've, I've lived in Texas. I've lived in the Caribbean. I've lived in New York. I've lived, you know, but I've been in Atlanta for 20, 20 years now. Yeah. 20 years now.
0: Wow. Okay. Going
1: on 19 years now. So
0: nice. Yeah. I was going to say, I learned about St. Martin. You lived there for a while.
1: (laughs) I I did. I did. And I'm going to take you, we're, we're, we're going to go down one of these times. Yes. Uh, Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, SXM uh, Festival, I mean, again, like if anything this year has kind of given me a perspective on the events that I want to attend and very, I'm very much into like the transformational and like international festivals now, of course, that we aren't able to travel, but SXM you were telling me about, and now I've done like all this research on it. And I'm like, how did I never know about this? Why have I never gone? Did you ever attend? Have you I- been?
1: Yeah, no, I've never been to X6M in its current iteration. It's mm-hmm. uh, about, uh, well, this would have been, I guess their sixth year, if, okay. if I remember. Now, I know all the kind of beaches and the people who have kind of set it up and, and what they've done there. But mm-hmm. no, it's a house and mainly house and techno, um, you know, kind right. of festival that takes place over the entire island, both on the French and that side. Um, so lots of cool. villa parties, stuff of that, like of that nature. So yeah, a lot of the international stuff, I've done uh, uh, the Blanc, um, uh, the white party up in Montreal before that's been going on since my early Raver days, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, and that's not too far from you. That's something that, that yeah, that's I bad. used to do back, back in the day. That's a great, but most of those events are, you know, kind of smaller scale, They're house, they're techno, they, you know, you don't mm-hmm. find bass music is U.S. mainly. So you don't see a lot of that in, in those outsides, but right, um, yeah, there's some, there's some really cool you, you know, not too far festivals that are mm-hmm. you know traveling to Europe or Amsterdam or yeah you know, stuff of that nature. Today. Yeah,
0: when this is all over, yeah, it's done for them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, well you, go, ahead I, go mean, ahead. I mean, I mean, it's hard because you, you think in twenty nineteen, I think I did eleven festivals. Wow. Okay. In twenty nineteen, and yeah, so to go from twenty nineteen and then having a twenty twenty schedule built out that was going to be close to the same mm-hmm. to absolutely nothing. You, you, you know i mean it's what we quiet. all say it's, it's like it's I, i'm looking at it now going i've been in quarantine for 11 months <laughs> yeah <You know? laughs> I'm, like, I'm like it's that spongebob meme right now that's like tw- you know 11 months later yeah um, <laughs> y- you know so
0: yeah well yeah. take us on a journey i mean i want to hear let's go back to the beginning how long have you been raving and can you tell us a little bit about some of the first shows you remember going to
1: Yeah, I mean, again, back in the day, we had to walk uphill in the snow both ways to get to the (laughs) rave, you know, one of those times. or no, I've, I guess I started raving in about 1993. Mm -hmm. Uh, Freshman, sophomore in high school, kind of um, that, that era. Um, And it's kind of how you hear about it. It it was dirty. It was grimy. Mm-hmm. It was—I uh, I mean, we were ta- kind of talking slightly before. It's, uh, you know, what what people call raves now, and it and, and it makes most of us—and I talked to some of us old timers—that mm-hmm. that you know we hear, oh, I'm going to a rave, and they mean I'm going to the club, or I'm right, I'm going to EDC Las Vegas, and that's the rave. Raves back then were literally. Illegal warehouse parties um, or sometimes in the middle of the woods, sometimes wherever that mm-hmm. you, you, you either had to be on somebody's list to know. We didn't have cell phones and, um, you, you know, a lot of it was pager or, or just you had to know somebody and you'd get a mm-hmm. flyer. And it would have a telephone number and it would tell you where to go you know you're going to meet at this parking lot or whatnot you you drive to that parking lot and you hope that somebody's going to be there if you made it mm-hmm. on time great if not no and you would pay your 10 bucks or whatever and here would be a van or a bus or whatever that comes picks you off and takes you somewhere else and you, you know it wasn't mm-hmm. like you got this address of this warehouse to go to because all of it especially through the early 90s and into the 2000s was highly illegal like we started having the Rave act and we started you know the war on drugs was was pretty prominent and Mm -hmm. just by being in that warehouse if it got broken up you were brought up on drug charges you know even if you were not on drugs or or they I mean, and, and still, some of this happens. Like you see, some of the news articles out of the UK, and they're mm-hmm. still having these types of underground raids because of what their their government is kind of doing here. I think a lot of that culture draw, has has changed Mm -hmm. i still see it a little bit in some major cities with some after party type stuff right right, right. um where you you know you have your main clubs that that you you know your echo stages and everything else and then once they shut down at like two three in the morning you you know avant-garner i think does about the same then you might hear about all right there's a party going on here at this Mm -hmm. place and it's again some local dj we we never really knew who the djs were um, right. or, or most matter. of the time yeah <laughs> it, it didn't matter that's not what you were going for um um and then again djs didn't have the same following that they do now mm-hmm. but like you it's funny because i hear cascade stories out of the same time back before he was cascade um, yeah. um when i first started hearing about him in the late 90s um and and it was he was just a local d j in you know ninety seven ninety eight that would show up and hope at one of these parties he would get some deck space and spend, mm-hmm. or that they would kind of launch it and and you would learn about them, but they they didn't have they either had regional following or you know no following at all that was it, it. and what
0: there. city were you in at this point
1: um I was in San Antonio at this point in time okay. um so we we did rave parties all the way from San Antonio to Austin, a lot up in Dallas. Dallas had one that got it. I don't know if it's still going on. <laughs> I, I know they tried to bring it back one time. It was called underground hog day. And it, it <laughs> happened every awesome. year on, on groundhog day. That's awesome. um, and, and literally it would draw people from a couple hundred miles that, that, you know it, it got to be <laughs> such a big event. Right, and they would hold it in the, it, literally in the middle of the woods someplace, and again, you had no idea where you were going, mm-hmm. you know, and and you know, like we talked, I, I can't, I can't imagine now sending my eighteen year old child <laughs> out into the world and being like, okay, show up at this parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> and hop on this bus without a cell phone, and let them take you someplace and drop you off somewhere, mm-hmm. and everything's going to be okay. <laughs> like, right, right. Like, like now as an adult, I'm like stranger danger. You don't, <laughs> you, you don't do that. But yeah, we we, we kind of did back then. Um, so yeah, I, you know. And at the same point in time, my, my wife had similar stories. She was, you know, raving at the same point in time in San Francisco and mm. and doing the California scene, and it was very much kind of the same. Same thing across the country.
0: I didn't know she was also into, I know she goes th- to them with you now, but I didn't know she had a whole history with it too. <laughs> oh yeah, she
1: was straight up candy kid. I, oh, I mean, I some, one that. of the original Plur candy kids. Actually, like, now you say
0: that, I think I might've seen a photo on Facebook, maybe. <laughs> I, don't I don't
1: know. know maybe, I, I don't know that we have any photos. God, I think we've probably destroyed everything for <laughs> <things>. <laughs> just, just so there wouldn't be any proof. But yeah, she was, she was straight furry boots. That's awesome. And, and you, you know, we're talking- yeah, you know, and again, those are some of the things that have kind of changed. Pluriculture, culture, mm-hmm. you know, right, right. We were we were coming up through that age. Now I'm four years older than her, so her her time would have been slightly a little bit different skewed mm-hmm. from from mine. Um, but you know, we pluriculture culture was totally different back back then, mm-hmm. and, and and not that the same undercurrents weren't there, but it was really applied very differently. I, I had a conversation. In 2019, I, I was at EDC and, and I hang out with some of the group known as the OGs um, mm-hmm. that are kind of the the early insomniac, you know, people. Um, and a lot on the West Coast would we kind of know who they are. And we, we we had this discussion about how PLUR has changed and sometimes been misapplied, but sometimes just applied differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because back then it applied to us as a sub community. But we never brought that in into the the bigger world. It didn't apply to you if you were outside the scene. And, right, and right. part of the reason was is <clears throat> it was a way to protect us inside the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, you were persecuted. You you for was, being a part of it. Yeah. For being a part of it. Or right. and still to to some extent maybe. Um, and we'll probably get into this a little bit later about what it's like having a professional job and, and mm-hmm. everything else and yet leading a rave life. But, you know, so there, I think there's still undercurrents of, oh, that's what you do in your free time type right. stuff yeah. uh, that happened to us in older communities or, or sub communities that don't necessarily happen when you're hanging out with your 20 some year old friends, mm-hmm. you, you know, and you're 20 years old. So, um, you, you know, there's still some of that stereotypical, you know, stuff that happens, but not, not to the degree of, of what it used to be.
0: Right. No, it's yeah. interesting too, that you were in Texas. Cause yeah. When you were talking about like illegal warehouses, I'm automatically picturing like New York and California, but were you going with a big group? Like, did you have a whole friend group that was all into the same type of music and everything?
1: Yeah. Up until, well, up until the late 90s i was it was in texas and then for a little bit of a stint where i was in grad school and everything else it was chicago detroit um and all of kind of southern michigan that Mm -hmm. that i kind of raved in and then did a slight stint in new york city at columbia and and did that whole you, you know new york city kind of rave scene and then came to atlanta and we had the atlanta rave scene so yeah, you know, kind of working that angle. Um, in the younger days, uh, probably like it is now. Um, I, I don't know. I probably lost a lot of memories from high school. Um, <laughs> you, you know, I'm I'm always shocked at the people who can re- like remember people's names and like <laughs> ev- everything else. And I'm like, I I barely remember where I was, but <laughs> um, I, I blame part of that on graves. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we probably had a good group of you know. 20 people that were in our immediate circle and and Mm -hmm. kind of the way that is now you have your your immediate ray family and then you had kind of your your extended ray family and then you had people that you just knew were in the scene um and that really hadn't changed um um it was definitely bigger in texas and the the rave scene itself was i think bigger in texas than Mm -hmm. it was anywhere else uh, at at that time Mm -hmm. that i had experienced i knew the rave scene in in california was huge but even the rave scene in in new york city wasn't that big like interesting okay yeah things were standardized i think more standardized shows um or like clubs or anything yeah yeah, you you had Pasha back then uh, right and you had i'm trying to think what else you you had in new york uh, in the late late 90s, early 2000s. But they were doing stuff at the Rosalind Ballroom in Times Square. I remember mm-hmm. seeing Paul Van Dyke there um, yeah. and, and everything else in the early 2000s. And so again, it it depends on what you classify as a rave. Because right. not all music events for us back then, like I saw Daft Punk in 1997 um, and that wasn't a rave. It was mm-hmm. a concert show, yep. you, you know, type thing. So, So for us to kind of be to feel like it was a rave it was that underground kind of feeling and and there definitely were some of those things in new york city you, you know in mm-hmm. in brooklyn or um you know queens or kings or or you, you know what not going through there but um i think because you in that reason region you had more acts coming in kind of mm-hmm. like miami at that point in time right you, you know, while ultra didn't start until 98 if memory serves me correctly um, you, you know, even before then, you still had Western Music Conference, and you kind of had mm-hmm. that whole week, which turned into Miami Music Week, and so mm-hmm. <clears throat> there wasn't a lot of underground partying, because there were clubs galore, and musical artists coming in that, right, that right, were right. bigger there, so it wasn't necessarily that big of a, a quote-unquote rave scene.
0: Got it, and then <laughs> moving into the two, moving into, like, the 2000s how did that change for you change for you were you always going to shows consistently or did you ever take like any breaks or did it change at all
1: so I I did start we uh, there is a period of time during the past 25 (laughs) years however long it is now that that we we did professional reasons take a break um, of of managing stuff about a 10-year break but um, up until that break which started in 2007 um hmm. it was pretty regular nice. you know yeah. it, it was it was it was club shows it was festivals it was I, I guess I started going to ultra in 2001 I think was my first ultra uh,
0: yeah I was going to ask where festivals started coming into play
1: um, <laughs> yeah yeah. I, I mean so and again festivals were kind of totally different back mm-hmm. then too so so you didn't have the plethora of of kind of what you have now but mm-hmm. um Yeah, it was pretty consistent for me until 2007. And then we we kind of, which we can get into later with professional Mm -hmm. stuff, we just kind of broke from that, uh, just the scene in general, um, to kind of concentrate on family and professional lives, and then realized that we missed it too much and came back.
0: Well, how did you and Jen meet? (laughs)
1: Uh, i think i just did one of these things for valentine's day about how we met she um we were best friends before before we were were anything else um she moved upstairs for me in an apartment that i lived in um with, with her then husband and and son and we became best friends for for years and then um she let, she got divorced or, or, or separated, and mm-hmm. I, you know I had a house, and we were we were best friends. So I said, "Hey, how about you move in?" And you know we were very platonic uh, for for the longest period of time, and then finally realized mm-hmm. that why are we platonic anymore? So
0: that's awesome. Um,
1: we we started. Uh, people ask when we started dating I, I have no idea we, yeah. we never had like a first date it Was we, gradual you know, yeah yeah it was kind of one of those things that we just realized that we're in a relationship now um, and it, <laughs> it took us about 12 years of that to get married um, and so we 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 finally got married a couple of years ago and and yeah so that's awesome yeah now we're a big happy family and <clears throat> And our son, my stepson uh, is, is 18 now. And we're, wow. we're done. We're done with that. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> uh, I'm, so I'm cool. buying him festival tickets now to come on and yeah. having shirts made that say rave mom and rave dad. And rave
0: son. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you guys go, when did you and Jen first go to a show together?
1: So Jen's first festival was not until 2006. And it was one of the last shows we ever did um it was bang music festival in miami okay in november 2006 and it had Narles barkley oh duran God. duran um tiesto so who played one of the worst sets i've ever heard tiesto play uh, <laughs> i'll never forgive him for that set. um who oh uh, daft punk that was the start of daft punk's alive oh uh, seven uh, wow can't remember who else was there Jen still has a t-shirt believe it or not this many years later Um, and it was down in Miami and it was one of those last minute kind of um, we knew somebody in the industry that had tickets and he's like hey we're gonna go down you should go down and we're like we we can't go down just for a day yeah you, you know and we just decided on a whim all right we're gonna go down for a day and it was probably one of the best experiences we've you know down there at uh, used to be the old bicentennial park they, they tore it down now, but right right next to bayfront park in miami mm. um and That's awesome. yeah it, i mean little did any of us know it's my what probably one of the second best shows i've ever seen daft punk alive oh seven and i talked about it so often cool. and yeah i i i'm glad that we did but that was her first festival like okay. she had never done she had always done you know a club show here and there um you know, rave, rave stuff when she was younger, but yeah, she had never done like a, a, and if I, I remember, like it that. Was, yeah, it was only, if I remember correctly, it was only one day. So it wasn't even like a, an ultra now a three-day event or even mm-hmm. a two day of, of, of a shaky beats or something of that nature. Yeah. So, um, just were you living in way,
0: Atlanta at that point?
1: Yeah. Yeah. you One time. Yeah. We were all, uh, we, we, we've always lived in Atlanta now. Cool. um since Jen and I've, I've been together so yeah that's awesome so that was that was her first um again my i think my my first big one was was ultra mm-hmm. um I, I mean i'd done some smaller stuff i'd done believe it or not some country music stuff way 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 back in the day um uh, living in Texas and kind of growing up there for a little bit. When, <laughs> one of my best friends in high school was George Strait's son. So, so you can't get away wow, from the. Um, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah, you can't get away from the uh, Texas uh, country music that mm-hmm. that type of of root system. But yeah, first, I, I think first big EDM one would have been Ultra, mm-hmm. two thousand
0: one. How were the you vibes know? there? Like, was it was the rave culture like pleur side of things present at a festival or was it a totally different environment
1: i think ultra has always been that different environment
0: yeah, yeah. okay for, makes for, sense. for
1: any of us that have ever been to ultra you know you don't Ultra's get vibe not, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah no, you, you, you don't get, you, you don't you get the poppy chula vibe yeah like like it's, <laughs> it's and instead of you know uh molly and hugs it's it's you know cocaine and cubans it's just a, it's a different i mean especially in what it is for for a lot of that but it's not um and and there's definitely elements of there i mean i've met some really great friends at ultra that that we've um kind of paled around and done other events with but uh, yeah it's kind of a very uh, ultra just in general um now mm-hmm. back then um again you you had Western Music Conference or Winter Music Conference, not Western, Mm -hmm. uh, WMC. Um, And then that whole week we would do Nikki Beach and we would do, you know, all these different things that, that turned into Miami Music Week. It wasn't Mm -hmm. owned by Ultra back then. Um, And that's where your main, I think the main reason we went down. So we would go down for, unlike now that I think a lot of people Uh, and there's still a Miami music week that happens all week long I think it was a little bit different back then your your main shows and stuff were that week Mm -hmm. and ultra was a tag on 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 the back end right and for a while WMC did their own stuff and ultra did their own stuff and they were two separate companies and ultra at some point in time um somewhere in 2013 um Mm -hmm. Uh, well, 2013 is the year that they had two two Ultras, um, two weekends of Ultra. Um, I, I mean, they were kind of at odds with one another. And at some point in time, Ultra just bought WMC and, and you know. Made, made yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of made it all into one. But um, so you would kind of go down for the, you know, the entire seven or ten days. And and it was definitely a different party vibe um, then. Mm-hmm. It was like seven days of science on how you, <laughs> when you sleep, when you don't sleep, which, yeah. you know how much caffeine pills mm-hmm. are you taking to stay awake here? What, what no, you know, what sleeping pills are you taking away to get your four hour nap there? Um, <laughs> and very Miami fashion. I, I mean, everybody mm-hmm. was kind of, but, um, yeah, the, the vibes were, and the vibes are even different from that, you know, kind of now.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah,
1: it is rip, rip, rip ultra uh, because I mean, God only knows if, if what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what What's going on now with, with them. But, um, um e- even the last couple years of ultra were were a little bit a little bit different from that you, you saw rough. more floor culture kind of, well i it just depend on where you I, I mean again it's hard for the east coasters that don't get to experience the west coast festivals of what like the mm-hmm. pasqual and insomniac and everything kind of put on or the northeasters that that only get um you know kind of you know moonrise and and some of the other stuff to really understand you know there's differences around the country depending on the promoters that are putting that on and right the culture that they kind of bring
0: yeah I think that's the biggest I mean it's super interesting I, I kind of like want to do a video at some point spoiler alert on like the evolution of ultra just in general but it if anything this past year has made me be like and I don't regret it. I do not regret doing my favorite events multiple times, but it's just maybe made me think like, I just want to do different ones and I want to do them once and then just try something else because you've experienced some of the other ones. And I feel like embarrassed, not maybe not embarrassed, but I feel ashamed that I haven't done a Californian like festival or rave yet. There's some in Canada. I want to do like, again, like internationally that I want to do. And I just feel like the experience and environment is going to be different at all of them. So moving forward, it will change and it's going to be a different experience going into my 30s, which brings me to Uh. my next topic. (laughs) But uh, Brandon and I were talking a little bit about, how it changes for you. Like as you know, well, one, the scene has changed, but two, how it changes as you have a professional career, as you have kids. And I get requests all the time on this podcast to have people on who have been raving for a longer time and aren't in their 20s because people want to know how do you balance things? How does it change? Um, and they want to hear, you know, different interesting stories. So can you talk a little bit about the evolution to maybe that period when you said you kind of took a break and you had to focus on your career?
1: Yeah, I again the uh, I I miss my 20s. I I <laughs> I I would I would like to go back to my 20s with what I know now and just set myself up differently. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um um you, you know, if that was ever a possibility, and 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 again, that's what old people kind of say when they get the, you, you know, if I would have known then, would I know now? In hindsight, uh, yeah. yeah, in <laughs> hindsight. Um, and, and then I look back at all the advice that I used to get, and I'm like, ah, oh, no, you don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, yeah, damn, if I would have listened, um, <laughs> a, a lot changes. I, I mean, uh, you know, not just only the change of the scene, which we've talked about, but your outlook and your change on things mm-hmm. you, you know your priorities your your f- huge friend circle that you had in your 20s that would go to all these events starts dwindling as they get into their 30s and mm-hmm. when they're in their 40s they're like what the hell are you still doing you, you, you know and and it was so you know we took a break in in 2006 2007 uh, like i said that bang event was was probably one of our last ones um and it was until 2017 when we didn't really come back into the scene and you know we still stayed close to the music (laughs) you you, you know to some extent I I mean I probably got a little bit more into mainstream music than than I was before or now that I am after I, I I couldn't tell you what the latest um song on the top 40 <laughs> like I, yeah. I I don't uh my wife comes home talking about the Lizzo song that that's out at some point in time or Cardi B and I'm like <laughs> do what, what what do you like I don't listen to that stuff any any longer uh when I when we were on break we probably I probably would have but um you you, you know so the reason we kind of started taking you know or took that long a break is I started working a professional career mm-hmm. that you it got to a point in time where I didn't know how to uh, you know balance rave life or or you know club life or or whatnot with professional life Mm -hmm. and you know looking back at it I probably could have navigated the two now the problem is is I still to some extent work in the federal government system Mm -hmm. you know um, the federal court system um back then I worked in federal law enforcement um type stuff and so uh, which was its own kind of I like I would never work like drug crime or or, or mm-hmm. you, you know m- the rave act and, and what came out of the rave act never prosecuted anybody but i kind of always had this firm like in, <laughs> in, in my mind i'm not going to work that stuff and luckily that's not my area of expertise uh, so yeah. finance financial crime and and stuff of that nature but i um like it it, it became a two things like how do you let people know that hey yeah i'm doing an undercover case with the fbi but yet i'm at this rave with you like like those two Mm -hmm. things just don't don't mesh and (laughs) it was something a i was really self-conscious about and just didn't want to like and and b on both sides of it like what happened to my professional career if i was at an underground event that got busted right 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 You, you, you know how do you now take everything that you've worked so hard for and potentially toss it out the window and be like that you you know because again the federal government isn't too too kind about that and for jen who's in healthcare, you know um cardiology and and that type stuff like we're even through those times we're we're just very careful about you -hmm. you know uh how how is what you're portrayed and the two shouldn't reflect on one another but but how is what you do in your free time looked upon in your professional career field
0: mm-hmm.
1: you, you, you know and over over the past couple years we've really laxed up on that a little mm-hmm. bit like like I, I remember uh, you know some of my wife's co-workers know that we go to music festivals those are our vacations mm-hmm. so um, I do a lot through Lunchbox, m- more than she does. But even I'm looking at our poster because I do lineup posters every year of everything that we did. And <laughs> That's one, awesome. Two, three. We, we did, she did seven w- with me in 2019. So wow. so seven events and and her coworkers, you know, again, kind of know we, we have unwritten rules with our Ray family that mm-hmm. you don't post pictures on on social media. I Some of the people that even back in the day, raved with them, still in contact with, they've gone on to be senior accountant for Colgate-Palmolive. One of them Mm -hmm. went on to be an accountant for FDIC, the banking regulatory agency. Mm -hmm. Um, One of them is a senior executive at Coca-Cola. So, you know, and, and at different phases. So it doesn't mean that people who are young and raving, the stereotype is you're wasting your life. You're not doing anything. A lot of people have gone on to do some great things. Mm -hmm. A lot of them either, you know, still do it, you you know, just very discreetly or, or, you know, you're just, you're just careful. Right. You you know, you have more to, to lose than you had when, and no offense to anybody who's in their 20s that's mm-hmm. a waitress at Applebee's, you, you know, and right. and and not to say that that's not, you know, but you know, losing that job and going over to Chili's is totally different than when you're in your 30s. Yes. You, you know, do you do you think about that when you're like because like, you have your 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 ravecast, and I know what what your, <laughs> your side projects, but I also know you, you you know there's a what we would call real world job sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do you ever worry that? Uh, how people would look at you in your professional career.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good, I was going to say to you, I think it's an interesting combination because you both had very, you still have like very serious careers, but also to your point, music festivals and raving, not that it's mainstream, but I feel like it's way more acceptable. And now with social media, it's like way more common that people talk about it more. So I'm sure it was like a combination of like, now it's a little bit more like, Oh, people get it. They know what a music festival is. They understand like what you're going to do and things like that. But Yeah. At my full-time job, I, I think it was a similar thing. Like I would typically say like, oh, I'm traveling for a music festival or something like that. I feel like I wasn't using the word raving as much. Um, but now, yeah, like my, my coworkers knew I was going to shows like all the time. And then my boss knew I was doing music festivals and things like that. And they were asking me, they're like, oh, when's your next event? Or like, how do you feel right now without events? So they know now, but I, I feel like it's, not easier, but I feel like people just know what a music festival is now. And they like, totally get that being a hobby. So yeah. Yeah, I I think that
1: Jen finds nurses that come up to her, like somebody, she was wearing an Anjuna badge reel one one time for her, for her badge. And one of the nurses came up and was like, that's Anjuna. And Jen's like, yeah. They're like, what do you know about? And it sparked a (laughs) conversation. Jen's like, we do EDC and we do this, that, and the other. They're like, that's so cool. Oh, I'm fixing to have Kitty, you you can't come Um, (laughs) there. uh, You you know, that brings up conversations of that. We do EDC and and Jen's still a little bit careful with that. But I think the culture that you're you're right has changed Mm -hmm. where, um, again, it's slightly different in what I do for the federal court system, because uh, I would never use the the term rave Mm -hmm. in any professional or even social media standpoint of it because of what that conjures up and because of how somebody unscrupulously could use that
0: mm-hmm. to
1: mean drug or to mean right you know party or just to mean you, you know like you're a huge partier yeah exactly yeah, so so you know we kind of do the same we say we're traveling for music festivals we we usually don't say what music festival we're going to um you know even even you know in mixed company you, you know now you know, our younger friends and, and, you know, non-professional stuff, or even professional stuff, people that, that we do know that know what we do, um, we'll use, you know, EDC or we'll use, Mm -hmm. you know, eForest or Ultra or, or whatnot. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's a different, you you know, I, I think that's one of the things that has changed over the years that have been a hard mindset for me to, to kind Mm -hmm. of get out of. Yeah. Um, And then coming back in 2017 was a shock. Um,
0: What made you want to come back? Was there anything in particular?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, my my health started failing. I I started getting, I I had some bad diagnosis and and outlooks on health stuff. Mm -hmm. And which was a really big shock in like 2015, 2016. And I... I just kind of had this epiphany of, of where was I happiest? Mm-hmm. Like, like I'd spent this time building a career and, you know, uh, Jen had built her career and we had raised a family or we're in the process of raising a family. And I'm like, you know, again, not to turn this morbid, but you know, mm-hmm. doctor tells you, you know, your chances of survival X amount of years out for, from different stuff and you you're, you're in your thirties and you're like, mm-hmm. uh, that really sucks so you you know you sit there and you go oh well you know if they're right and i only you, you know have whatever um, left then fucking i'm gonna go have fun <laughs> <Yeah>, type <that laughs> thing and and we're like well what can we just uh, like start doing so we did uh, one of the festivals I used to work for uh, was known as Music Midtown. It was actually one of the largest in the country for a number of years when, mm-hmm. when I worked for them um, in Atlanta. And they had shut down and come back up in different, under different ownerships at different time. And uh, Bruno Mars was playing, and I, I, Jen was a huge fan of Bruno Mars, and so I, I was like, "Well, let's let's just go." I mean, it's a local festival. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll get a hotel room down down the city, so we don't have to drive back and forth, but. Uh, let's just do that. And I started getting really excited about that. You know, and again, it wasn't, I mean, I think they had a small EDM stage, but nobody, you know, was really there. And right, but I just started getting excited about the the thought of it. And the week after was going to be Imagine, And I had, had thought about going to Tomorrow World when it was in, in Georgia during, yeah. d- during, uh, but we never, we never got tickets again, life and, and everything else. And just feeling like you were too old. To, to do that and I think that's what prevented those things as I was in my mm-hmm. 30s um okay. you, you know and I think that's one of the hard things that came back that that I'll touch on uh, you, you know you're mm-hmm. coming up of, of coming back into it was feeling old you, you know and you see the questions of it on Reddit or even on on I've seen them on mm-hmm. your Facebook page that is like I'm 30 years old. Am I going to be the oldest person? And you, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. how do I do this? And and da da, da da Um. And at that time, I was in you know again in my later 30s. And you know, we went to Imagine, and it was clean and sober. And uh, you know, I don't drink, so 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 I no no even alcohol involved. And it was still an amazing experience. You mm-hmm. know, it was that year. It was uh, uh, Deadmail. Tiesto and above and beyond headlining wow. you don't know, imagine that year with with a whole bunch of other shows Oliver Heldens and 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 um j- just a, a great lineup that a match are always has and so mm-hmm. um and again I I had I had known one of the things that's changed that we can touch on is mm-hmm. is the DJs and the relationships with DJs so back in the night uh, you know early 2000s I had met above and beyond they had mm-hmm. we had spent the day together you, you know type of thing um and to see how how that scene had changed and and to reconnect with their music um live that many years later mm-hmm. um really put the bug in the system there. yeah so um um but you, you know to get to the burning question of that everybody always has about if you're too old
0: I was just gonna say let's talk about this <laughs>
1: um I mean I take pills at every festival
0: mm-hmm. I, I mean I'm, I'm
1: gonna admit um they just happen to be Advil and a uh, heart medication and, <laughs> yeah. and a couple <laughs> cholesterol medications now um um I it's I guess the difference is, and 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 you get to a point in time when you look around at the crowd mm-hmm. and you realize that literally a lot of the people there are young enough to be your child. Mm-hmm. And that's like, there's this cycle of emotions that happens right. where um, they, how can I? At at first, you're self conscious about it, and you're like, "God, I'm I'm the creepy old person in the corner." Like, how are they going to look at me? Mm -hmm. And then you get to this realization that nobody cares. Yep. As long as you're not the creepy old person in the corner, yeah. So don't be the creepy old person in the corner, and (laughs) you don't have a problem. Yeah. Um. And so, you 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 know, again, it's it's weird being the one of the oldest people in the room and people refer to you as rave mom and rave dad and realize mm-hmm. that y- you could be their mom and their dad. And, you know, I'm fixing to have a child that's going to be my rave son. Who's my actual son <laughs> you, you know, at these things and do and that. Um, but really in the end, you, you know, you learn to take care of your body a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, you learn that you can outlast I mean, I can outlast a 21 year old. It was funny we we did uh, <laughs> we did home base and EDC Orlando in 2018. We've done it for several years, but 2018 mm-hmm. in particular for this story, um, we're we're driving down with all of our rave family, and they're all you know 21, 22, talking about how they're just going to party 24 hours a day, <laughs> and you, you know this, that, and the other, and you, you know it's all gas, no brakes. Where we're 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 going down for an entire. And I remember turning to Jen night one and they're all tucked in their beds at one o'clock in the morning and somebody's spinning downstairs <laughs> in the lobby and we're still partying. I, I think Jen and I got like seven hours of sleep that four day weekend.
0: So funny. And,
1: and we look at them and we're like, what the hell happened to all gas, no like, mm-hmm. Um So again, I, I think for the older crowd that doesn't, that doesn't know whether they can do it or, or whatnot, uh, again, you get on a pain, pain regimen with Advil and every everything else, <laughs> you, you eat well, you learn to eat well and, and take care of your body and mm-hmm. you learn, certainly can. And then from the social aspect of it, you know, as, as long as you're not self-conscious, and I guess this is a good moniker for, for most things in life, mm-hmm. you know, as long as you open yourself up and you put out good things into the world mm-hmm. people will reciprocate off of that you know and yeah and so you could be that person that clams down and sits at the back of the stage mm-hmm. and uh, you, you know back of the crowd and doesn't talk to anybody around you and just puts off these vibes of don't get near me and come sunday at the end of the festival you're not going to have met anybody and then you turn and go well well nobody I mean, it's a close group. It's yeah, It wasn't a good it's experience. What, it it, it wasn't yeah. a good experience. And, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people like that, you, you know, and I'm like, well, next event, come with us. Mm-hmm. You know, we still sit at the bat. I mean, I'm, I'm. I, you're not gonna find. <laughs> He's not me. on the
0: rail, but like <laughs> I, I,
1: again, Tommy and some of the lunchbox crew pulls me up to the rail every once in a while for for, for certain things. <laughs> I mean, I've I've done a lineum at the rail at, at, at ultra before, yeah. which was an experience. But um, you know, for the most part, you're gonna find us. You, you know, that kind of half where we have room to shuffle and dance and hoop and you, you know, we're we're kind of with that. But you 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 know we we've expanded a family so incredibly much that we know people from every different section i mean we we go to imagine our home festival but it doesn't matter whether it's edc or whether it's e4s or whatever we have you know people from across the country that we've met and done and and anybody can do the same if you put kind of put yourself out there yeah so for the older people or even the younger people that are worried about getting older um you can do it as long as you want to yeah i mean i'm i'm over forty now, uh, mm-hmm. forty-two, I guess. Um, um, and and I, you know, still. I mean, most people say they wouldn't know that, and and I, I take honor in that. <laughs> but um, and, and there's plenty that are still older than I,
0: mm-hmm. you know, that are
1: still doing it. I, I mean, you t- take a look at the DJs that 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 you're even looking up to. Cascade yep. is mm-hmm. my age, uh, a little a little bit older. Green Velvet is, uh, I think, forty-five. Yeah, um Oakenfold's in his 60s. I, yeah, I was going to say
0: TSO and Armin van buren Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Armin's, uh, I think he's in, in his 40s. F- yeah.
0: yeah, he's in his school. TSO's 40, 50, 50, 50, isn't he? I'm pretty sure. is that. Is old. he not?
1: <laughs> it, you you might have just aged him. Uh, Did I? He, he might be. He might be. We might. Yeah, really let's look, look at that, that one up. But um he's definitely. In he's that 52. He's fifty-two. Wow. Yeah, he took a few years. Um, I mean, he looks great, but he's probably got, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> Well, not only that, he's been road and put up wet for a few times. But, <laughs> but you know, Gabriel Dresden, you know, the boys from Above and Beyond. I mean, all these things, and I guess that leads us in the next segue of, of differences in DJ culture mm-hmm. over the years.
0: So. Yeah. Wait, can I pause on this one second? I want to talk about the age a little bit more because I think like that section was the most valuable and I hope like people could relate to this conversation because like I've been waiting to have this conversation, but you said a lot of really important things and I think one of them to me that's really important is just like normalizing going to raves and festivals at whatever age and I've like been very adamant about this and I remember... Watching the EDC documentary Under the Electric Sky when I was like 24, 25, you know, went to my first two EDC Las Vegases, was completely obsessed with them. And there's a couple in the movie, so like they have you know a bunch of different co- people of all age ranges, and then there's a couple who's probably in their 30s at that point with kids who still go and rave. And I remember at the time being new to the scene, I was like, "Oh, that's interesting. Like, I wonder if I'll like be going." at that age and thought they were so much older than me at being like 24 at the time. And then now looking back at it, I'm so glad that they had them in that documentary because, and even now more so with everything being a little bit more mainstream, you just have no idea how old the person is next to you. And I can even say like so many people I've met at the last few festivals were in their thirties or in their forties. And I know a bunch of people who have, Literally written to me, or who I've met who have been like, I just started at 31, or I just started at 32. Like, is that okay? Is that normal? Blah blah blah. I'm like, yep, 100. Yep. You can start at whatever age, and it's literally irrelevant. But you made such a good point about like making it. It's it's what you put into it too, because you can go do your own thing, kind of stay to yourself, or you can just get in the crowd and meet people, and nobody's asking somebody their age. And you know, if anything. Yeah, maybe there's the group of kids who are in college, who are extremely young and who are going there at a party, but for the most part, no one gives a shit <laughs> and everybody is super open.
1: Yeah, nobody. And again, it depends on the festival too. I, yes. I think your vibes, we're going to learn because I haven't been to E-Force yet either. We're, we're going mm-hmm. to pop our, our cherry together, you and I, um, mm-hmm. um, at, at E-Force, but um, you know, the ultra you know, doing something at ultra and, and relating and getting into the crowd is different than an EDC for, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I, I would say the ultra crowd is a little bit, probably more standoffish, um, yeah, I would agree. you know, in that and, or Coachella or, you, you know, an ultra where you have this undercurrent of, of bro culture, that, that kind of the party culture that, that kind of goes through that mm-hmm. can be very standoffish, um, you, you know, to, to somebody older. Um, but some of the best parts about being older is I have money now. Well, like when I was, yes, I, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I don't know how to say this without it. Um, you can afford I, more
0: things. You can have a better experience too. I can, plays, and, yeah. and,
1: and we still we we don't VIP it at all these mm-hmm. festivals because I like being in GA and mm-hmm. and everything else. Now I I did do I did do Bonnaroo very very plushy um, at, at some point <laughs> in time and, and platinum um, there, but you know, other than that, uh, like we can people look at our schedule and how many we do and sure part of it's for work and some of the other projects that I have in, you know, in the scene and everything else, but some of it, when we go for fun, I don't work, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I might network a little bit. I might meet with people and and do stuff, but when I'm with Jen at a festival, we're there together and we're going to have a fun time. Yeah. And so, you know, again, we did, I think I said seven, I counted uh, that her and I did in 2019, you know, together all the way from, you know, EDC to, uh, you know, Ultra to, we did uh, Wakan, uh, you you know, that year for their inaugural year and, you know, traveled to places that I'd never thought I'd go to a music festival in Arkansas to go Mm -hmm. listen to, to music that, that again was not my main type of music, but was one of the best experiences that I had in 2019. And, and, you know, to, I just um, on Friday finished booking our RV and rebooking our airline tickets for EDC Vegas. I, I'm going, whether they're holding it or not, I'm going to get in that <laughs> raceway with, with a Bluetooth speaker in an RV and, and, and I'm going to do it, but, um, and you can come join them. We'll, we'll, we'll have Yay. a little party, but it, you have, you know, in my twenties you kind of had a scrounge and, and that was part mm-hmm. of it. But, yeah, like of it course. was the, all right who's paying for gas who's got the beer who's mm-hmm. you know uh, tickets were a little bit different back then but but still um you know now i don't really have to worry about that stuff if i want to go to shambhala i just got to figure out the logistics of doing shambhala sure. I, I i um now, there's other things that come up taking time off work, you, you know, PTO days that you don't worry about when, mm-hmm. you, you know, you have a job in a restaurant or, you, yeah, you know, yeah. you're an Uber driver or whatever. You don't worry about, you know, how many PTO days are you have. One of the other things bringing up kids that all of our friends laughed at us. So they're, they're like, how do you travel so much when,
0: mm-hmm. when you have
1: a child in school? And we were... Lo- we were unlucky that we don't have a good support system here. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, everything sure. else to watch our kid while he was growing up.
0: Yep. Um,
1: but we did, uh, you know, my son is, is my stepson, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, and so every other weekend, you know, we would kind of go back and forth. So we Got would our weekends, you know, around when you
0: had him. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um and sometimes we would ask, you know, for for him to be able to take an extended weekend if we needed to do like an EDC. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, EDC would happen in the summer times, so we or, or close to um, it used to happen in June, but but then when it even was in May, it was right at the his last week of school, mm-hmm. and so it would we would sit down and I hate I hate to admit this and, <laughs> uh, and it's be a, a a one of those hashtag parenting um type things um (laughs) we would sit with the school calendar at the beginning of the year Mm -hmm. and we mark out all of our festivals and we knew that he would have 10 excused that it could have 10 excused absences from school Mm -hmm. and so we would sit down and go okay ultras here so if he gets two school days here yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and we would work it out you know what his his what he was in high school mainly um we would work it out to be yeah you know, all right he has you know we we would finish out the rest at the end of the year right at 10 and sometimes we'd have to ask friends hey can you watch him for a day and take him to school the next morning so because we need yeah. to have that it'd be a sick day i love it um you make it work well, it, it got really bad. I, I guess Jen and I both <laughs> turned to each other. Jen's going to kill me for telling me this story. Um, I'm obviously been on the couch. Um, I think it was Wakan. We had Wacon went Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay. And so really odd schedule for a festival. And it's all the way in Arkansas, which is not easy to get to. But mm-hmm. really, if you have a kid in school. And I remember he at that point in time he's a freshman in high school i think he's so a freshman sophomore in high school um we had to leave for the airport at like 4 30 in the morning and he had to get up for school which was fine he got himself up for school mm-hmm. um but he he went to a school that didn't have a bus you know bus system to it, um, got it. okay and so we would normally have to drive him every morning and we we're like how the hell are we going to work this out to where mm-hmm. We're not, he has to leave at like six in the morning. Uh, You know, we're not going to even be there. We're going to be boarding a plane. What do we do? We actually hired an Uber driver to go pick our son up from our house (laughs) and pick him up from school for school and take him to school. And I think that's the point in time that that Jen and I both turned to each other and said, our music festival is getting a little bit too much <laughs> when, when we're having a random uber driver pick him up in the morning and yeah, being yeah, able yeah. to take our kids to school um but yeah i mean you you work those things out the best that you you you, you mm-hmm. kind of can you, yeah you know, and there's, I- there's, you're not going to be able to do everything you want to but that's part of the price of having children
0: Of course. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm listening intently here because I feel like at the end of the day, it is important because you guys are doing, like you said, you, what you love to do and where you're happy and you're making it work, you know, for your family. But I think another thing that people are probably thinking who are listening is, what to do when your group grows out of it because I get questions about that all the time. Like, you know, I'm still really into it, but I can tell all my friends are like not anymore and I don't know who to go with or I don't know what to do. And I love that. Like, you know, either you can still do this and go by yourself and you know, solo raving is amazing or you can maybe connect with people who are younger than you too, which I think is a great way to go about it. And I mean, like I've taken it to the extreme where I, No, I want to do this forever. So I want to build a career in this space so that I can still attend these events and just say I'm going for work. And I think that's how it'll change for me personally. Already, you guys, I am going to leave the episode here. Thank you so much for checking out part one. Again, part two, we are chatting about how Brandon got involved with the Lunchbox team. Um, we're going to talk a lot about our thoughts on music festivals reopening and what we think about different measures that are going to be taken, you know, given everything with this pandemic. And then we're also talking about um, people idolizing DJs and just DJ culture in general and how that's changed like throughout the years. So, We still have a lot to cover. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, If you did, again, I just remind you guys, please share this to your Instagram stories, tag at RaveCultureCast and at Emma Capotis, and I will always share that. Um, And I just appreciate any support. If you can write a review on iTunes, you know, leave a couple stars, subscribe on YouTube, any of that is always appreciated. So thank you guys so much for listening, and I will be back with part two. Bye, guys. (laughs)